Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Kirby Ingalls. He has 25 years experience in leadership and human capital consulting. He provides high potential, busy corporate professionals with results-driven, laser-focused coaching. Kirby, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks, Amy. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Can you share your journey with us and how you became a coach and what got you to where you are today? Yeah, if I was shared the entire journey, it'd probably be an entire day, but I'll try to give you the shortened version. I grew up in a small town in uh, Hillsborough, Illinois. Grew up in a single parent home for the most part, and didn't really have much going for me at the time. When I say small town, I'm talking about like six to 7,000 people. Grew up, you know, in the farming community, mostly. And then my grandparents really began encouraging me when I was about 14 years old to join the military. And so I did that. And that took me to clearly almost over 20, 25 years of, of military service. And that wasn't the intent when I first started, but it became a way to kind of honor my grandparents and my, and my parents because they really wanted me to serve. And I think my grandparents knew that if I didn't get out of that town, then I was just going to end up just like everybody else. And I needed to get an opportunity to leave those, those county borders and see a part of the world. I think it was great advice for him to tell me to do that because I was exposed to so much. But while I was in the military, I ended up becoming an HR professional. And through all those years, I learned a lot, gained a lot of information and understanding and knowledge and got an education, which I wouldn't have got before. I probably would have been back home working in the brick factory or the glass factory because that was the only opportunity there or working some minimum wage job. And so, like I said, I got all these experiences, all these opportunities. And at some point in the military, I realized that through a mentor, and I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point, but kind of put a seed in my head that I need to be thinking about what's after that. And that's kind of when I began to get involved in coaching. And it's been a great journey. I've been part of coaching for about the last seven, almost eight years now. And I, I really, really do love it. You help male managers and v VPs transition in their career. What's the best way to test out a new idea or um, a new direction without taking a ton of risk and mm -hmm. really uh, test out the decision? Testing out new ideas, really, it's just facilitating those relationships and kind of doing what I might call drive-by, testing it on a few people first. And then really kind of building allies within the organization. There are allies that will be your counsel. There are allies that will be your mentor. And then there will be allies that look for every single opportunity there, there is for you out there to make this idea go forward, whatever it might be. And there's really just four different allies that I tend to focus on when I work with the, the folks that I do, and we work on building those relationships and understanding who those are, because really just personalities for the most part, and building those relationships in order to kind of help uh, facilitate that. And when you have the support of a lot of people around you, it's a lot easier to get those ideas out there than just trying to be the good idea fairy, which nobody likes because nobody likes change. <laughs> right. 
So when it comes to leadership, what advice would you give someone who is struggling to get their team to do what they want them to do? First of all, I mean, you, you have to understand what the challenge or the problem is first. And to be able to do that, you have to be transparent. You have to be open. You have to be empathetic. And there's just a lot of these skills. And there's about 25 of these resources, skills, and ideas that are out there that will help you build those leadership skills, basically resources. It could be empathy. It could be communication. It could be a lot of different things, but it really boils down to what is challenging that individual at that level and then being able to communicate those ideas and get everybody kind of aligned and moving in the right direction. How do we allow our passions and purpose to drive everything else in our lives? Yeah, I love this one because this is something that I kind of embody a lot. And while I was very passionate and very purposeful about my journey in the military, and I just use myself as an example, because of my grandparents, you know, they told stories of my family serving in the military all the way prior to the Revolutionary War. My family had come to America well before it was even a country when it was a British colony at the time. So for me, it was very purposeful, right? This was the family business. And then I found another purpose outside of that as I was going through the military, and that was coaching. And I wanted to be a counselor, and that's what I was going to school for. I was getting my master's in, and I ran across this coaching thing. And, and through a process of triangulation, I really found like what my real passion, what my real purpose was. Another example that I would use for myself would be when I was officiating high school baseball for several years. And one of those things was, is that I had a huge, I still have a passion for baseball and athletics and sports and, and just being very active. And I knew that life because it was part of my life for 25 years in the military. And I wanted to be an active person. And I knew that was important, not only for my health, but also so I could be around with my, for my children when I'm 70 or 80 years old, not them taking care of me, but maybe me taking care of my grandchildren. And because we all fall in that category of when we get old, our children are going to end up taking care of us. Well, we can do something. I was very passionate and purposeful about that. And then always, when I grew up, I wanted to be a catcher. And I, I caught all through junior high and high school. And this opportunity came around. I thought I was going to work working on the high school baseball field, working with varsity high school players, umpiring, officiating behind the plate and out in the field. And I found my passion, even though I couldn't, I was never going to go to the major leagues and be a baseball player because I just didn't have skills and resources to do that. I found a way to be able to do that through another vehicle. And that's what it was kind of interesting because when I came through, the guys looked at me and said, hey, you're in the military. You had to be very sharply dressed. You command respect, you have a loud voice, your voice commands authority because you have inflection, how to do all these things. And I did very well. And that's why I probably ended up as a rookie of the year for that league, the very first year I officiated. If someone's listening and they're not fulfilled, but they have that need for security, mm -hmm. that's driving them. What advice would you give them? Yeah, this is something that happened to me for a very, very, very long time. And that's why I stayed in the military for as long as I did because of the need for security. Because you have a lot of outside voices inside of your head. They're always coming in, right? And a lot of the reasons why I stayed in the military was because of the need for security and the outside voices coming into my, my mind. Not only my parents, my grandparents, it was all about the pension. It was all about the security. I tell folks there's three types of people out there. Uh, that are actually in the, in the work environment. And that's your Monday through Friday, your 
all they're doing is they're hunting for that paycheck. They're looking for that check on Friday or every two weeks so they can go out and buy beer, barbecue, watch the game on the weekend. And that's what they live for. And that is most of us through our, the early first, probably third of our career. And then we begin to develop families. And then we have this new idea of career and security. And we kind of enter this second stage, right? Where that's where I probably work with a lot of folks, those middle managers, VPs, and directors. But kind of at that stage where they've achieved a lot and they're starting to hit a plateau, not only in their performance, but the, the organization is flattening on them. And there's not very much room above to go. And they're beginning to think about what are my values? What is my purpose? What kind of legacy am I going to establish for my children? What am I going to leave behind? They're probably your mid-careerist. You really begin to think about security, retirement, medical, dental, a lot of those things that we think that we're going to have when we retire. And then there's that third tier, kind of where I entered in and in where you're looking to make an impact. And security really doesn't have as much of a weight. There's probably a little bit back there. You probably have some things that you've attained and your abilities and the skills that you've acquired over the years, regardless of if you go out and you take a risk on something and it doesn't work out, there's always something that you can fall back on. And for a lot of us, we need that. So for years, I was actually a third shift entrepreneur, which is basically I worked all day long and then I came in and, and did my, my coaching business in the evenings and on the weekends for the most part. And I did that until I was able to kind of establish myself. So sir fearful of security, do the hard work, start the thing while you have some security until you can work yourself out of a job and then you can do this full time. That's good. So can you share some of your client success stories with us? Yeah. So there's one in particular, and actually this is a outstanding professional woman that I recently got a note from long ago, and she was in the middle of this contract rebid. And when she came to me and we began working together and there was a lot of things that were going on. I mean, there were, and generally there is when people come to coaching, it's just not one thing, it's many things. And so you kind of have to work through each one of these issues. And sometimes it's like a plan whack-a-mole. It pops up its head and every once in a while and you have to pop it back down. But what was she really wanted to do at the end of the day and what she really found herself doing was, is commanding her own respect and understanding what her value was and what she brought to the table. And over the course of time, that's what we generally worked on. Now, obviously, when I coach, it's not my agenda that we're working on. It's not what I see. We have to work them through that until they can tell us. And like I said, I don't steer anybody direction. We just go in the direction I go because there was 30 people, right, that were going to be affected by this recontract bid. And it was worth millions of dollars, like hundreds of millions of dollars. They were a huge part of the community and they were competing against two other companies. And this was a four-year contract and this was going to secure people's jobs for the next four years. And she had been working with these people for well over 10 and she just had this emotional connection to all this. And so a lot of times what we had to do was she was trying to prepare for this rebid and this contract at the same time as she was still trying to run the organization as well. And she wasn't the one in charge either. And so she became this focal point where everything began to funnel through her. And she wasn't delegating and she didn't have a whole lot of opportunity to delegate. And what we were able to do is work her voice into the conversation and get her a seat at the table. And she ended up in getting more responsibility 
And it was just phenomenal because she ended up helping with that contract and getting that contract. Actually, she was a huge portion of that. She had to sit in an interview with executives, especially the companies she was bidding against. She was being interviewed. They were talking to her about what was in the contract, how they were going to do a better job. And she was just going through this process, being prepared by lawyers and everybody else. It was a lot of pressure amongst being having a teenager in high school playing volleyball at the time, and then COVID on top of that, and working from home and all the challenges and, and everything that goes on within an organization. So I, I personally enjoyed the note from her from a, it's about two, three weeks ago, I think I got it from her. But she reached back out to me and said, Hey, thank you. You helped me find my voice, my power, my value. And I've gotten so many opportunities since we've worked together. So and a lot of times that comes after coaching, right? It seems like you're doing all this work and then all of a sudden, like three, four, five, six months later, all these things start to pop up and happen. And it's like, okay, I realized like, hey, what I was doing back then was really a great opportunity and it helped me get to where I'm at today. So yeah, definitely. What is one truth that has gotten you this far in your journey? Yeah. So one truth that has gotten me this far for my journey is if it's going to be, it's up to me. And that has played out uh, throughout my entire life. And I know that might be cliche for most people to say, but there's a story behind that where I actually, where I kind of came out openly about public speaking and my fears about that and the challenges that I was having, because I was actually a part of a Toastmasters club and I was extremely terrified of public speaking. I had done lots of public speaking prior to that, but I would get sweaty armpits. I would get nervous three days before. I would just do nothing but catastrophize all the way up to the training that I was having to deliver. And I knew this was something that I had to work on, but I couldn't even walk through a door to even watch one of these meetings happen, but just as a guest, because I got nervous and it was challenging for me. So what happened was, is a few years after I'd had my first incident where I'd walked in a door and I was like, okay, this is too much for me. I, I just can't do this. Two or three years later, I saw a flyer up in an education center and I was like, okay, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to, I'm going to actually conquer this thing. And lo and behold, I joined, I started participating and there was a contest that was coming up and nobody in my club wanted to go and participate in the contest. And I was just like, okay, well, I was one of those people that you always have to send representation. So I kind of said, well, if it's going to be, it's up to me. I don't want us to not have representation. You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this thing. I'm probably going to fall on my face. I'm going to look like an idiot, but I'll probably learn something from this. And so I threw myself out there and put myself out there in the open, took this opportunity. And what ended up happening was I ended up winning the contest. Oh and there was my a guy gosh, there. wow. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. And it was just an area contest. And there was a guy there. He'd probably been at Toastmasters like 50 years. His name was Wayne. And I was like, this guy hit the level of, I would say his, his capacity for words and to be able to express thoughts and ideas was just phenomenal. I actually got to coach his club for a little bit, right? And learn from him. It's just a phenomenal speaker who had just this vocabulary. And so he came up to me after the contest was over. And he says, as soon as you opened your mouth, I knew you had won. He was the contestant that went before me. So he got to hear my speech. I didn't get to hear his. And then I won that contest. So 
I got to move to the next level and then I won the division contest and I went to district and I've actually fell on my face. I was actually really pumped up and I was really starting to come into my own with this thing because it took a few months and I'd been preparing. And they said, they asked me when I got on stage, this is an extemporaneous or what we might call table topics. And they got up on stage and they says, tell us one joke that's committed to memory and why you committed that to memory. I couldn't, I couldn't give him a joke because I just wasn't a funny guy. And I didn't tell <laughs> jokes. I did not practice the skill of humor whatsoever. And I was like, this is a, I thought I was prepared to do some like Tony Robbins stuff. I was yeah. like pumped up some motivational thing at the end of that speaking minutes, because you don't know what they're going to ask you when you walk up there. They just ask you and you're, you're carted off into some room by yourself before you actually go up there. So you can't hear what the other contestants talk about because we all get asked the same question. So you're in isolation until it's your turn. And I ended up filling the two minutes by telling folks why I couldn't tell a joke. I why my upbringing and I was very serious, driven and demanding, decisive. I didn't have a father growing up. So I had to work hard to achieve a lot of things. I was in the military. So that played well to my success in the military of having no skill sets. And being funny was not one of those things that won me anything. And so I never relied on those. And at the end of the day, I said, I guess if there's one lesson I'm learning today is always to have a joke in your back pocket. And everybody loved it. And I sat down and I was just completely miserable. I was like, I embarrassed myself. I embarrassed my club. I couldn't tell a joke. And I was just, I was just fuming, right? And I was texting my friends at the same time while I was waiting for the rest of the finish. I was just telling them, I was like, it was horrible. I was embarrassment. And then right after that, so many people came up to me and says, I cannot believe you did that. That was one of the most amazing conversations that I've ever heard. And they didn't win the contest because I didn't have a joke. I did not fulfill the requirement for the content, right? And so yeah. the question they asked me, I couldn't do, but I did fill the two minutes. And they were like, that was one of the greatest table topics I've ever heard. It's inspiring. I could have never done what you did. That was the hardest question I've ever heard these people ask, and I've been coming here for 10 years. And so that right there made me feel really, really well, and to not be afraid, right, to step out on my own. And if it's going to be, it's up to me, because there are going to be people that are going to come around you and lift you up. There's people called lifters. And everywhere I've gone, ever since then, I've been able to find those folks who have kind of, even though I'm going to do something that's challenging, scary, and I might have a fear, I've found those people that they're in the audience, you just don't know it, or they're there, you just don't know it. And then when you do have those moments, they're going to come around you and they're going to lift you back up. So just go ahead and step out, you know, of your comfort zone and do it because those folks are there. So one more question. If you're able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? Yeah, that's that's a challenging one because I, I thought a lot about that. I thought about that a lot over the years. And 10 years ago, I want I was going to leave the military. I think it was about 10 years ago. I think it was about year 15. I think it was. And I just didn't do it because of security. And I got I got scared. And I just didn't know if I had what it took, right, without having this trampoline underneath me, right? That's kind of like jumping out of a plane, right, with a chute. I was just wasn't, I just wasn't sure if I could do it. But I didn't know, if you go back to Kathy, the lady I talked to earlier, I didn't know my value. I didn't really quite 
get all these skills and all these experiences that I had and what I was capable of. I couldn't see it personally for myself. I knew where my desires and my passions were and what was pushing me, but I just wasn't quite there. And about four or five years later, through some great mentors and some good coaching, I was able to figure that out and do the work and, and process things. And, and a lot of things began to come together for me. So I realized, I was like, wow, I, I could have been doing this four or five years ago. So if I was to give myself a piece of advice, my younger self is, is to in your gut and to do that. And sometimes we call in coaching called the tango and we think logically about something and they were like, okay, well, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And these things aren't together. And then you kind of, you circle, you know, it's kind of a figure eight. So you kind of circle back to what is your heart telling you to do? And then you kind of, what does your gut tell you to do? Now, what does your heart tell you to do? Now, logically, and sometimes we have some good leadership gut instinct, but as you kind of process that back and forth, when you think about that, you'll come to the conclusion that you need to do. And through that process, I learned that skill and I've been able to use that with other people. You make, you begin to make the right decisions, you know, moving forward and what you should be doing. If there's someone that's listening and they would uh, love to get a hold of you, what's the best way to contact you? Yeah. So, I mean, the best way to contact me is, is to go to www.curbingles.com and reach out to me through there. Uh, you'll find my email, address, business phone, and everything else on the web there. So right at the top. So uh, you can go to www.curbingles.com and you'll find everything right there. Perfect. I'll put that link down below. Kirby, thank you so much for coming on today and uh, sharing your experience with us. Yeah. yeah, thank you very much, Amy. It's been a pleasure and it's been good to get to know you over these last several months. Yeah, definitely. And if you want more information about this podcast and our upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you everyone for listening and have a wonderful week.